1: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Badlands podcast, the only podcast out there that is 100% chiselled and is part of the Smart to Death Radio Network and TheChairShot.com. I am Mags and again we are still laid by coronavirus so another week with with no Paul Tolly, but it's his loss because he's missing out on speaking to these amazing guests and uh today's guest is a a fellow brit um a fellow podcaster uh he's got an amazing series uh, going called uh wrestling through life where he, he covers the, the pay-per-views that, that he's, been, he's been on since he's been a fan and kind of having a second look at, at, at what brought him into wrestling today. I'm, I'm speaking with Scott Robertson. Scott, how are you, sir?
0: I'm very well, thank you. Uh, I'll just quickly change. It's actually from the year I was born, so it's not necessarily... Ah, apologies, you know, I- apologies. It's actually from the year I was born, so you were close close enough. Yeah, I mean... I'll I'll, I'll let you off with that one. It's still that kind of um,
1: retrospective look at at wrestling from this kind of viewpoint, uh, as opposed to like watching when you're a kid, I suppose.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting when I get to when I actually become a fan, just to see how much... Do I still enjoy it then, or do I enjoy yeah. it now but yeah. no uh thank you for having me on um yeah. I sort of return the favor as it were <laughs> yeah no i i was recently on your
1: show uh and when we covered the the 1992 royal rumble such a uh, i, I love doing it it's uh going back and i mean i've watched that 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 pay-per-view over and over again, uh, ad nauseum. But going back and kind of like knowing I was going to talk about it and kind of review it, uh, it gave me kind of a little, a bit of a different out, uh, outlook on the show. I mean, when we spoke about it, we it kind of made me realise it it was it was a one match show really with a uh, with all the the tag matches and how short those matches were and the, how kind of poor quality they were. And then we had the the Royal Rumble, which is Arguably one of the best of all uh, of
0: all time. Yeah, it 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 seemed like a good show for you to to come on, and it, it feels weird like going back, especially at that time. It was more. You can see the change. The 1990, it was all about characters. Mm-hmm. And then slowly now, you can see the small transition into the new generation with like Brett's now, the Intercontinental Champion. Shawn Michaels is obviously, I have now just got to the debut of the Heartbreak Kid, uh, Owen, coming in. And obviously, my next podcast is the famous SummerSlam 92. That's going to be the next episode.
1: Yeah, that's going to be fun
0: so that is going to be fun and yeah i'm i'm really enjoying doing it and well i'll mention the i'll mention it probably at the end but i've sort of added to what i'm doing or extended the uh the business shall we say interesting I'm sure we'll hear
1: about that then but uh seeing as you're a newcomer to badlands um let us know your Mount Rushmore of the greatest wrestlers of all time, and uh, a little bit of an explanation why why those
0: four make your list. Wow! Right. So, in terms of greatest for me, this is this is I found it qu- quite difficult. Well, first of all, I have no Austin. Wow. The reason is I never got him. I never watched him at his peak. I only really knew about Austin when he'd come back in 2000 and then he had that. And then he had the the great heel run in 2001 and then he took his ball and went home and then he had his retirement. I only saw three good years of Austin, so he isn't on my list. So I'm actually going with like wrestlers that have, in terms of the greatest of sort of and the first one i've actually got is the undertaker mm-hmm. the reason i've gone for the undertaker is is because yeah i as i'm going through my podcast i'm watching the start of the undertaker so i'm obviously quite curious to see how it does but i when i became a fan he was the american badass and everyone hates the American Badass, but I loved the American Badass. So when I saw him at WrestleMania 36, I was kind of, kind of excited when he was on his bike, and he had, and he, I mean, he's been a constant. Mm-hmm. He's he's always, he's always been there for me, and he, for me, Taker is probably one of the best. So take the Undertaker is probably my one of Well, he is obviously in the top four. <laughs> I mean it's
1: it's a great pick. Um I was a massive fan of uh uh the the uh, Undertaker. I think that's my favourite iteration of the Undertaker, but I've been lucky to basically have seen his whole career in my time as a wrestling fan, and yeah, it's it's without a doubt he's definitely in that kind of conversation for being uh, on a, a Mount Rushmore. So yeah, I have totally endorse that pick. Who Who's uh, who's joining
0: him? Uh, I don't know if he's actually come up on previous guest lists, but I'm actually going with Edge. Mm-hmm. And the reason I have picked Edge is because of not just because of his comeback that made a thirty-year-old man cry. <laughs> um, again, he he's had that longevity, but he started off as a sort of like this mid-carder who didn't talk, and you could see the transition in him from the goofy tag team with Christian to the sort of goofy, serious kind of singles run. Then we got the Rated R Superstar, which basically took him up another level. And then the Shock Retirement, which kind of hit me because he is actually my favorite superstar of all time. And then when that buzzer went and when he heard You Think You Know Me play, I actually was in tears. But I own a funny story. It was the Monday after the Rumble. I couldn't watch it until the Monday. And a good friend of ours, Jess, who Jess is probably one of my best friends, she messaged me going, have you seen it yet? I went, I haven't seen it yet. Do not spoil it for me. And she went, I'm pretty sure she said, you'll need a tissue. (laughs) And as it happened, I just sent her a lot of crying emojis. And she went, I thought you would be. But it's, but he can have different matches with people. I think it's like he's had TLC matches, he's had last man standing matches, he's had God cage matches, that sort of thing. So that's why Edge is my second. Yeah, act. another great pick.
1: Um, uh, another one of my favorites, but I always. I always thought he'd never be able to break that glass ceiling. I always saw him, well, I always thought that WWE saw him as kind of like that, that mid-card guy. So when he did uh, become like the rated R superstar, I was actually kind of checked out of wrestling back then, but I kept uh, I kept up to date with uh, like dirt sheets and with uh, with like wrestling websites. So I kind of missed a lot of, of edges like rise to the top. Uh, obviously, I've gone back and watched a lot of it now on the WWE Network, but yeah, um I was exactly the same as you when uh, when uh, his number came up at the Royal Rumble. I mean, we knew from from that uh, the place like What Culture and cultural that it was a, a very big possibility that he was coming back. And when he did, yeah, it, it it just was amazing. Amazing to see. And I'm so happy for him because you could see it meant the
0: world. Yeah, and his documentary, his 24s, mm-hmm. if you get a chance, uh, go and check that out. Yeah, absolutely. And then the Edge Taker feud was brilliant in 2008. I kind of was slowly drifting away because I was 18. But that was one of the feuds that was like, I need to see what's happening with this feud. I wasn't caring about anything else. I'd be like, right, what's happening with this feud? Because it was so good. Mm -hmm. So, who takes the the third spot on your Mount Rushmore? Uh, The Rock. And I get, and the reason I picked The Rock is so I got I, I became a fan in sort of late '99, early 2000, when The Rock was possibly the biggest babyface in the company. He was he just killed every segment he was in, and he's so charismatic. He was obviously surprisingly a very very good wrestler. But it was just something about him that he, you kind of was like, "I like this guy." But then when he turned heel and did the Hollywood stuff, that that's what put me. The Rock was near the top of my list. I thought there's no because I never saw his Nation of Domination stuff because I was it was too early for me. It was his run as ho- the Hollywood Rock where he did the promo in Toronto Hooray! Hooray! It's in Toronto! Yay! That, that's where we live We live in Toronto And he, Shut up! <laughs> uh, stronger than the bear, faster than the buck and the biggest thing to hit Canada because the Maple Leafs suck <laughs> and then he does his uh, concert in Sacramento That was amazing uh, That It <sighs> It was more the character stuff I enjoyed of The Rock. But then he had some really good wrestling matches. You forget how good a wrestler The Rock was. I think that's what people forget about The Rock. When you look at wrestling Twitter, you see it's all the promo stuff of The Rock. Mm -hmm. You never see The Rock's matches. And from 2002, 2002... he had some belters in his feud with Triple H. Two thousand, he He'd have match with. Uh, can I say the guy's name? The 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 wrestler that should remain nameless. Say where there's no he, rules on on badlands. He'd he'd the match with Benoit, fully loaded. Mm-hmm. he had, from 2000 to from two thousand twenty, and then he two thousand one. He had some. He did have some stinkers. And in 2002, he had a pretty good one with Taker. He obviously had the Hogan match. He he had the triple threat with Taker and Kurt Angle. And then he had the one with Brock. Yeah. And then he had, you forget, that period, The Rock was probably one of the better wrestlers in the company. And then he's just gone on to be amazing success yeah the
1: the biggest successor that's come out of wwe since probably hogan
0: yeah i i agree in terms of post wwe success, he is number one
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then he's he's and then he comes back when he came back at twenty eight that was the year i got back into wrestling that was the year I sort of went back full time being a wrestler was the stuff of the rock and Cena. But, but in terms of that show, it was another match that got me that rekindled my passion for wrestling, but the rock, the rock would be my third pick. Again, great pick. He's,
1: he's one of the, the favourites at the top of uh, our Coleta to Marishmo. So you, he's, you're obviously in very esteemed company with that choice. Who takes your last spot?
0: Right, The last spot was tricky because I had two in my head and I wasn't sure who to go with. Can I say the two? Yeah, go for it. Um, so Chris Jarko, mm-hmm. one of your – I believe he's one of your uh, – Leading cadet, well, leading Mount Rushmore, people as it were,
1: is is up there in in the pack definitely.
0: And the other one was Triple H, it, and to be honest,
1: I'm I'm actually quite surprised how for you votes Triple H has actually got.
0: And the reason for Triple H was probably the same reason I was picking The Rock because that's when I that feud. Ah, oh, stop it. I'll go with Triple H. <laughs> well,
1: picking trips over the, the actual legitimate goal. Brave
0: pick. It is a brave pick, but in 2000, when I became a fan, he was the biggest heel in the company, and I was 10 years old. I wanted to hate that guy. Mm. And you, you do. You, were ch- you wanted Triple H to get his arse kicked. But as I got older, I respected the hell of how good he was as a heel. And then the and he was having again killer matches from 2000 up till was, that's that's why I've gone Triple H. It's yes. I, I can
1: see it. I, I I understand it. I mean, like I said, I, I'm I'm. Sh- uh, shocked that he hasn't had more votes than he has, and maybe that's a case of um, because he's still an active wrestler. A yeah. lot of people kind of look at people who uh, have retired or or passed away uh, and and give them more kind of credence over a of a wrestler still still working today. So maybe it's a case of that, or maybe it's a case of. He's involved with the WWE now, and a lot of people are kind of, like, turned off by the WWE, so he he gets, like, tarred with that brush. Uh, One reason why I, I think I didn't pick him is because he was never... He was never the one guy uh, that if uh, I mean if you go back to a lot of the people at the top at the top of the Mount Rushmore, they've always been the guy at some point or another, the the leader of the company. Or and, and I've never seen Triple H as as that one person standing like a top of a company. It's more he was always involved with a like a core group,
0: if you understand what I mean. Yeah, I could see. I could see your. I could see where you're coming from, but when I obviously became a fan, he was the top guy. He was, But then you think The Rock was kind of the top guy.
1: Because mm-hmm. yeah, he's had to go through, obviously, uh, when Shawn Michaels was the top guy, and then uh, we had Austin as the top guy, and yeah. then it was The Rock. And then it, once The Rock left, it kind of became where... The company didn't want anybody to be like bigger than them, so a lot of a lot of the people got kind of uh, held down, uh, mainstream-wise. If you understand what I mean, so it kind of had like that. He was never the head and shoulders above one person as as the face of the company.
0: And it kind of never happened until after when he said the Rock. It didn't really happen until Cena mm. and Batista; those two. But no, Triple H was, for me, he, yeah, I absolutely hated him, but I respected him. If that makes sense, and yeah, you mentioned, absolutely. and you mentioned a guy there that almost again almost made my list was Shawn Michaels just for his comeback run. Yeah. I never. I'm currently of, when we're talking about my podcast, I'm just getting to the start of the heartbreak Kids, Shawn Michaels, so it if. We had done this obviously after I'd done 98 when I'd seen the Shawn Michaels run. I think Michaels might have made my top four, but not just yet. Mm-hmm. If he'd, we'd done it in a few years, I would have probably have put Michaels in there. Be interested to see how I uh, take to pre Christian born again Shawn Michaels. Be, that's what that's, that's a story I'm looking forward to. But no, um, no, I've just I always had a soft spot for Triple H. I've yeah. just always had that soft spot for Triple H.
1: Yeah, I, I totally understand it. Like I said, and and it, if you look at his uh, his work post, uh, I mean his career is not over in the ring, but it's it's definitely on the downswing. But uh, Looking at his his career, that like with NXT, he's he's building something special there, and he's being primed to maybe take over of the whole of the whole company. So he's going to have a legacy that kind of extends further than the the majority of these wrestlers that have been mentioned for for Mount Rushmore.
0: I mean, he he has had some. I would just like him to have a retirement match against one of his nxt creations i don't mm-hmm. want it to be against like a current wrestler i would like it to be someone that he created got somebody like a kevin owens would be perfect like a Finn balor that's who i would want triple h to retire to rather than a cena or an orton or a batista or that's that's how that's how I would like to see Triple H end his career, but I don't know if his legacy is getting tarnished by having, especially all that stuff with the Undertaker, Crown Jewel, and Super Showdown. His better matches seem to be against, well, apart from the stuff with Roman Reigns, but that wasn't his fault. No, um,
1: but to go along with with your your retirement match, I think for me. If I'm looking at that NXT Ooh. group, I'd, I'd say it's going to be Champa. No, I I was actually going to say Adam Cole. Oh, yeah. I mean, Adam Cole I kind of see more in the uh, Shawn Michaels uh, kind of light, but I think Champa is is like a new version of Triple H. I mean, obviously they they've, they, they look pretty similar uh, right now as it is anyway, but I think more mm-hmm. Champa's got that kind of evil heel that triple h was so good at but in in an instant it could turn it on and and become the biggest baby face in the company and i think triple h has always had that kind of skill where he can be the the worst heel but also one of the best faces i think
0: right so here here's how i would say so late 99 to early basically before he tore his quad the first time triple h was one of the best wrestlers in the company Mm-hmm. His return is amazing, although he what he did look a bit juiced shall we say? <laughs> that run was a bit okay, but not fantastic. Then he turned heel on Michaels, and I love the feud that everyone forgets is Triple H Shawn Michaels. It is a fantastic feud. His stuff with Evolution is brilliant. I, I don't care. I loved the reign of terror because Triple H is, was so. Because I didn't like Goldberg, I didn't. I wasn't keen on Booker T. I hated Scott Steiner, so I was always rooting for Triple H. I'm gonna be honest. I'm a Triple H guy. Yeah, I can see it. I mean, mean, lost like about a couple of. Uh, you've lost like a few years going. That guy's no,
1: yeah. But but that's the thing with uh, with Mount Rushmore's. Uh, the, there's no right or wrong answer because what appeals to you as a wrestling fan might not appeal to someone else as a wrestling fan. So whilst your answers are, can be totally different to theirs, they're still valid because of how you have got attached to these wrestlers.
0: Yeah, it was it was kind of hard picking this Mount Rushmore because I was like, do I go... With my favorites, or do I go with ones that are considered the greatest of all time? But I just went with who I considered my favorites of all time,
1: yeah. And that's the two kind of mindsets that we've had on the show uh, people who, who uh who pick emotionally because of uh what what they uh, what got them interested in what they got invested in, or or people who who pick. Almost like methodically, where they look at who have, have been called the greatest, or what um, who have been influ- who have influenced m- the most amount of wrestlers, and, and kind of pick like that. So, like I said, there's no right or wrong answers. And, and to be fair, Undertaker, Edge, The Rock, and Triple
0: H—that's
1: a—that's a, a solid Mount Rushmore. Thank you very much. Absolutely not a problem. I,
0: I, I was actually quite proud of this. My route, my route. I can't even speak just now. (laughs) Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? PWX, Over the Top, Shine and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.
1: Now we're moving on to the main one. Let's go on to the main one, yeah. So we, uh, we've we got the Mount Rushmore of National Parade, uh, for, for for Scott. And basically it is... Um, characters or gimmicks that that are, are centered around being uh, like proud of your nation or or kind of like have a a national connotation to them. Um, so, let's go with your first pick, Scott. Who have you got on your on your Mount Rushmore of the of national right. pride?
0: This one took a bit. This this whole route Mount Rushmore took like when you said this is the topic we had to discuss. I was like, Phew. I was, but it actually wasn't as bad as what I thought it was going to be. So my first pick is a man who has USA running through his veins. He will get the crowd to start a USA chant, even though that his opponent is also from the USA. <laughs> he has... A two by four in one hand, he has the American flag in the other. It is hacksaw Jim Duggan. Is my first pick. Great pick. And he, he obviously was. I believe he was a former football player, American football player. Yep. He, he. I just kind of summed it up there. He just he. He he was the embodiment of an American man. He was proud. He was just a simple proud patriot.
1: Yeah, and I I, I think I, it was on a recent episode of uh, something to wrestle with Bruce. Picture he was actually pram to be a bigger star in the WWE than uh, in the WWF back then than he actually ended up being. Um, but he he brought K-fabe massively when he was. Uh, he was driving from uh, one show to another show with uh, the Iron Sheik, who he was meant to actually be feuding with, and uh, Vince was not happy about that. And he also, I think, he got caught with marijuana. So uh, any massive push he was going to get got stunted. But yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. He's you think of uh, America and you, especially in wrestling, you think of of Hacksaw Jim Duggan.
0: Is wrestling stunk? He was a shocking wrestler. But funnily enough, I've obviously had the opportunity to watch Duggan on my podcast. Nine times out of ten, he would get one of, if not the biggest reactions from the crowd. And he, as I said, even if he was facing someone who... You know, is an American. They will start chanting "USA, USA, USA." Yep, definitely. Oh, what was the best example? That I think oh, for me, oh. go on. WrestleMania eight the eight man tag. It's uh, Duggan, Slaughter, Virgil, and Bossman versus the Mountie, the Nasty Boys. And oh, who was the? I just did this podcast the other day and I forgot him. that's how bad that match was. <laughs> oh, uh, Repo Man, three of the four of the men in the match were American, he still got a USA chant. Granted, the Mounties Canadian, if they were all Canadian. I can understand the USA, chat, But he was proud to be an American man. He certainly was. (laughs) And forget to mention his heel run in WCW. When he was Canadian. When he was Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) And a janitor. Oh, yeah, he was a janitor. I don't know if it was... I think it was on a Brian Zane's Wrestling with Regret that... he was paired with Lance. He was paired with Lance Storm. Yeah, he joined Team Canada. That was weird.
1: He was. I think he was actually. He found a title as well. Uh, I'm sure it was like the US title in the bin whilst he was being a janitor, and, and uh, he ended up having that title for a while just because he found it. Oh,
0: for God's sake!
1: Oh yeah, was a, that was gender. that was WCW
0: though in them days. I generally can't wait to watch WCW. If I ever get round to doing like a different version of wrestling through life, I would probably do WCW just just to get to like two thousand. But the, yeah, so Jim Duggan's my my first Mount Rushmore of national pride. Great first pick.
1: Um, I'll go with man, and I said to you in the in the uh, the DMs uh, pre recording that. Sometimes I like to go kind of out of the box. Uh, so I've I've actually gone for, for my first pick, I've gone for La Resistance. Um, oh. can, I
0: applaud, <laughs> I, can I applaud that? It's an absolute, I totally forgot about them. Yeah. Um, what a belter of a pick. Yeah, so
1: going back to um, April of 2003, uh, the WWE started like airing these vignettes of... Of these pompous, uh, arrogant Frenchmen, uh, Sylvain Granier and René Duprien, who weren't actually even French, they were French Canadians, um, and they they ended up um, appearing at the end of April two thousand three, where they attacked. I think it was Scott Starner, uh, because he'd been a f- saying that uh, France was like hell, and he, they were they like kind of took offence to that, um, and they they would come out and kind of like insult America. Um, and the, the the one that got the biggest kind of like infamy was when they uh, interrupted Lillian Garcia singing "America the Beautiful" on Memorial Day, two thousand and three, um, which which saw the return of Stone Cold who came out and and, and basically cleared them out of the ring. Uh, but yeah, they uh, they they didn't have a long run in WWE, but uh, they were they were held the tag the tag titles for a few ta- uh, quite a few times. And they added um Rob Conway, who was an American to the to the the group. Uh he was actually added because um René Dupree ended up getting injured and he ended up actually getting drafted over I think he ended up going to to wow. to Raw from SmackDown. Uh, oh no! Sorry, he got drafted to SmackDown from Raw, which meant that Conway and Granier were carrying on the resistance, and uh, Dupree had his own kind of version of the same kind of gimmick. I think it was the the French phenom, if you if you remember that. Oh, what
0: was that? Sorry, I was just there, uh, just getting my notes ready for a couple. of No,
1: minutes. I was just saying uh, when Granier left to go to uh, SmackDown, the Conway and. Uh, I know. Sorry, Conway and Granier uh, stayed on Raw. Did the La Res- carried on this La Resistance gimmick, and Grenade um, uh, Dupree went over to SmackDown and did the French Phenom, uh, which uh, was kind of the same gimmick, but uh, on on SmackDown, obviously. Um, but yeah, like I said, they held the title uh, quite a few times. I think it was four times altogether uh, before eventually the the group ended up leaving WWE. They all ended up getting cut. It, around the same time, it started in May uh, of of two thousand and seven, all the way through to August two thousand and seven. All three of them ended up getting caught, Uh and they've actually brought the gimmick up uh, a few times on on the Indies uh, in different uh, iterations. But yeah, my first pick, I'm gonna I'm gonna take on Larry's stance.
0: What a shout! Yeah, because <laughs> they were French, and then you mentioned the Rene Dupree. He took the French. Character with them, mm-hmm. so uh, Conway and Grenier, they became French Canadian. Yeah, they would come out with the Quebec flag rather mm-hmm. than the French flag. And I don't know if you remember, there was an episode of Raw where they won the World Tag Team Titles in Montreal, I believe. Yeah,
1: and they got cheered. They got, they got even though they were the heels, they got they got the cheering. Yeah.
0: and they beat Chris Benoit and Edge who were also Canadians Mm -hmm. and they got bowed that was that was a role that stood out because I went how old would I maybe 14 I thought their heels were and then they didn't twig that the flag they were carrying was the Quebec one yeah they both kind of left they both became sort of egotistical characters like Mm -hmm. Silvan became a model and Conway became sort of like sort of self-centered I look at me pompous, vain sort of character which never really worked and he was one of the first ones fired by Vince McMahon in 2007 it was an episode of Raw he got beat by Jeff Hardy. Vince came out and just went, hey, you're fired, pal.
1: <laughs> and he
0: actually was as well. That was, I think that was May 2007. Yes. Yes. Oh, I thought it was the start of the year, so that's, that's probably why. I never thought a lot of resistance until you actually mentioned it. They were a good heel tag team. Yeah. They weren't necessarily the best wrestlers.
1: Well, I think uh, René Dupree had a lot of heart behind him when he when he first started because he was so young. I think when he started in La Résistance, he was only like nineteen. Um, but yeah, he didn't kind of live up to that heart. But they had a good, solid uh, four year run as uh, as this uh, like heel group, which for for a a heel national pride group is actually quite a long time to last.
0: Yeah, um, well, here's the question. Who to, who did they beat for the tag team titles the first time? I've actually got it in my notes here. Uh, I, the, thought, I, I thought I would have stumped you with that. Uh,
1: it was um, Kane and RVD. Yeah, and, the, mm-hmm. and then they lost it to uh, the Dudleys. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that was at Unforgiven.
0: Yeah, in the elimination table match. Yeah, the two on three. Yes, that. Yeah, I do remember that? Yeah, but what's yeah, no, a belt good. of our first pick? Oh,
1: <laughs> thank you very much. Let's go to you for your second pick. Right, this this
0: pick was this. Is, I don't know if this is like a controversial pick, but this pick is this sort of run only lasted maybe a year, just over a year, and it uh, debuted. Basically, in 1990, and it only was around for a couple of months, he he wasn't keen on doing it, but I thought he did an excellent job with it. I'm going for the Iraqi sympathizer, Sergeant Slaughter. Wow. And the reason I picked it is because Sergeant Slaughter before this was a proud patriot Mm -hmm. he was very proud of being an American the fact that he he was willing so Vince McMahon basically told Slaughter he wanted a heel and his new gimmick would be that Slaughter turned on the United States due oh so this is how it happened basically McMahon told Slaughter he wanted a heel and his new gimmick would be that Slaughter turned on the United States due to his acceptance ...of Russian Nikolai Volkov... ...because Volkov had just turned face... <laughs> ...not long after... ...WrestleMania 6... ...Slaughter found it difficult to do... ...because... He, ...he did find it difficult... ...to do the anti-American promos... ...because he was such a proud American... ...but I thought he knocked it out of the park... ...the fact that <laughs> they were willing... ...to turn heel... Go against your country to basically become a sympathiser for a country you were fighting a war with. I think that's commendable.
1: Yeah, and I think adding him with um, the Iron Sheik and uh, I think it was uh, General Adnan uh, kind of helped, helped him with that promo, like you said, he was a he was a proud American, and you could have had. I, w- I would have said that slaughter could have been uh, in this because of his Americanism, because of how much he loved America. But yeah, I do that when I think of on slaughter. That kind of little period is what I think of because we got that amazing uh, double main event uh, SummerSlam where we had the the the, the fake marriage of uh, Randy and Elizabeth, and then the the, the match made in hell with uh, with. Um, Hogan against against Slaughter basically with uh with the two on three um, handicap match.
0: Yeah. Oh God, don't mention that match again. <laughs> that was... I mean,
1: to go back and watch it now. It's it's horrific to watch, but at the, ta- at the to... time watching it like as as a, as a kid and like being invested in it, yeah, it was it was great to
0: watch. Yeah. So I thought he he did really well with it. The pairing of Annan which I've just found out, him and Slaughter had a feud in the AWA, Mm -hmm. and then they actually go and feud with Volkov for a while, up till Survivor Series, which saw the alliance, which was Volkov, Tito Santana, and the Bushwhackers defeating the mercenaries, which was Slaughter, Volkov's old tag team partner, Boris Shukov, and the Orient Express, uh, Slot, he would wear the Arab headdresses to the ring. He adopted the camel clutch as one of his finishers. Photograph meeting with Saddam. Well, it was K-f- well, K-f- photograph meeting with Saddam <laughs> Hussein. Yeah. It's, a, it's oh, a solid pit. Solid, solid pit. He, he, win, he became a WWF champion because of this gimmick. Mm-hmm. And then eventually was defeated by Hulk Hogan, and actually, surprisingly, not a bad match at WrestleMania 7. And then, basically, after the Hogan feud finished, he became back to an Amer- uh basically, a babyface. Yep. And then went on to be,
1: uh, after retiring, was commissioner. And I think it's come out recently that. Uh, he may be, have even fabricated his uh his his actual national service uh with
0: the with the army, yeah, we don't know about that, but we'll <laughs> we'll
1: we'll gloss over it,
0: yeah, we'll just gloss over it just a little bit, but <laughs> no, I just thought when you thought outside the box, I thought this there's another one in here that was kind of outside the box, but I thought this would be the first one where I went outside the box, yeah, it's a great pick.
1: Um so for my second pick, I'm I'm going with another heel. Uh I'm gonna actually go with Yokozuna.
0: Ooh. Yokozuna was actually one of the ones I thought I was actually gonna put on my list, but I never did.
1: <laughs> well luckily I did. Uh it was actually called Rodney. I know was obviously obviously part of the the legendary legacy of, of the anora family uh he ended up being trained by his uncles afro and seeker uh but is is most famously known obviously as his, his wrestling gimmick Yokozuna. where he, he portrayed this japanese uh sumo wrestler uh, he was teamed up with uh, mr fujin and they would come out waving a japanese flag uh throwing salt and doing all the things that 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 sumo wrestlers do. Uh, he actually made his in-ring debut at the ninety-two uh, Survivor Series, so you you'll have that coming up uh, pretty soon on your show, uh, where he he easily dispatched uh, Virgil. Oh god! Uh, and then he entered the ninety-three Rumble, which he he won, uh, eliminating Macho Man. Uh, so his kind of moving to that main event status. Was was so so quick. Um, he actually also won the first ever match on Raw when he beat Cork or Beware. Um, so after that, he would go on to uh, to w- to win the title uh, uh, at Mania. Uh, he would obviously then lose it instantly because uh, Hogan must pause. Uh, we've already discussed that uh, on on your show, and I'm sure it'll come up time and time again until you get out of that Hogan ear ending to kind of into the 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 attitude era uh but yeah he, he was a multi-time uh world champion he um like i said he won the royal rumble he he's he, as quick as he's uh rise in the wb was he, his, his fall was kind of kind of quick as well he he was actually um uh, he was actually suspended by WWE quite a few times because he uh he, they wanted him to lose weight because he was becoming uh, bigger and bigger and less kind of uh, mobile in the ring, and he was actually becoming more dangerous. He injured quite a few people because of, of basically his sheer size, and there was even a point where he broke the ring when he tried to do a, bon- uh, a bonsai drop, uh, snapped the rope, and he ended up losing a match because of it. Uh, I think at, at the heart of his weight, he was he was over 600 pounds in, in the WB when that was when he made his return at WrestleMania 11, uh, when he started teaming with Owen Hart. So um, he, he, after after that team, he quickly, like I said, dropped down the uh, the the kind of card out of the 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 main event status. Uh, he had a little run where he was a a face um, when he was feuding with with Vader. Uh, he, who vader had, uh kayfabe broken his leg uh, again allowing Yorko to go away and try and lose some weight which again never happened um and then his his last kind of run the wwe uh was in 1996 when he he was on the the free-for-all lap pre-show of SummerSlam, losing to uh steve austin and then he had his last chance at the wwe title where he uh he lost to Shawn Michaels, and then his last actual uh, like appearance in WWE was at that year's uh, Survivor Series, um, when he entered the a match illegally. Uh, the, the In in them days, they had they actually did have Survivor Series matches where you had teams. He ended up uh, entered the match illegally to attack Vader, which ended up with everybody getting disqualified, and and then he was sent away again to lose more weight. Uh, but he he was actually so big uh, that he couldn't pass the the New York State Athletic Commission's physical anymore, which meant he couldn't work for for uh, the WWE. So he got ended up getting released and did a few um, kind of indie spots uh, before he he ended up dying in in Liverpool. Actually, he died whilst he was uh, meant to be doing a show, uh, and it was a a pulmonary pulmonary edema. Uh, it was it was called a heart attack at first, but apparently it, it ended up. It was because he had fluid uh, in his lungs, and basically, yeah, it, it was the end of a um, a sad way for him to go. Because, like I said, he was a, a a big, big character. He had a quick rise to the top, hated as a as a, a Japanese heel, and yes, yeah, so I've gone with Yokozuna for my second pick.
0: That's actually a very good pick. As I said, Yokozuna was one of the ones I had. I had had like a list of maybe 10 or 12, and Yokozuna almost made my list, but I kind of wanted to think outside the box for a couple of these picks, so I never went with Yokozuna. I have seen sort of the rise of Yokozuna, and, well, no, I'm actually on my way to see the rise of Yokozuna, and you kind of mentioned it there, he debuts at Survivor Series, wins the first match of Monday Night Raw, wins the 93 Royal Rumble, quite famously. It's regarded as the worst Royal Rumble. (laughs) And I have seen the finish already, because it's used, I think it was used on Botchamania, where Savage thinks it's a pin to win the Royal Rumble. Yeah. The... The tag team with Owen Hart was an interesting one because there was—I think it's actually on the list of sort of like you know the strange bedfellows. Yeah, that—that would be sort of one where they're complete opposites, but it worked really well. Yeah, it definitely at the time it definitely worked. But yeah, you, you you described it so well. There was like. What else can I add to it? His his weight was certainly a big problem. Never realised his last pay per view match technically was against Stone Cold Steve Austin.
1: Yeah, well, he, he, at that summer slam, he he was in the he was in the the Survivor Series match uh, the same year. But like I said, he it ended up being a multiple disqualification where because he was feuding with Vader over this broken leg, he jumped into the the ring. When he wasn't meant to, and they end up with like a mass brawl and and people getting uh, disqualified. So,
0: yeah, uh, uh, was it the same match that the Rock was in, or was that another one? Or was that another? I, I think that's a different one. Okay, but no, I, I for for what he could do for the size, he was actually a very good wrestler. Yeah, I mean the bonsai drop is probably one of the scariest finishers in wrestling, and. If you remember as well, he had
1: the old uh, the old angle where he helped get rid of The Undertaker for a while when he had the casket match with Undertaker. Yes. Well, he had the
0: first casket match with The Undertaker, should I say. No, it was actually Kamala, but they call it a uh, coffin match. No,
1: I, I don't mean that uh, Undertaker oh. had. I mean he he had more than one. Uh, yeah, oh, so Yokozuna had more than one uh, casket uh, casket match with uh, the Undertaker. Yeah, the I, think they, I think they ended up having two uh, because there's one where they roll Yokozuna into this coffin, and then I think the first one Yokozuna, uh, Mr. Fuji brings out that like, all the heels at the at the time. Yeah. And they all kind of like get Undertaker in, and then he he does the whole rise out of the the top of the uh, the Tantrum, uh, where I think he had a few months off, and then we we kind of got like a new version of Undertaker when he came back.
0: Yeah, no, though you're right. He did have two. It was the Rumble, and then Survivor Series, where Chuck Norris is the guest enforcer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, Yokozuna is actually. A very good pick there. Your picks of them, you're <laughs>
1: impressed. Yeah, thank you very much, So Let's go to you for your
0: for your third pick. Right, this one again is outside the box. It's 1997. Bret Hart has just defeated Stone Cold Steve Austin in a submission match. Okay. With the famous double turn. After the event, Bret Hart is reunited with Jim the Anvil Nightheart. He rescues Owen and the Bulldog British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith from feuding, and they are brought together. And then Brian Pillman is added to the fray to form the New Hart Foundation who are very pro-Canada and British and very anti-American. That's my pick. is the Heart Foundation from 1997.
1: Great pick. Uh, and it's rare to have a faction that, that can go from one area of the world and be absolutely hated and then go to pretty much the rest of the world
0: and be adored. The other reason this is where Brett does his best promo work. Mm-hmm. He does some unbelievable promos in during this time, especially when he is in America, where he said that the american the map of America looks like one America looks like one giant toilet bowl mm-hmm. he would stick the hose in here in pittsburgh p a they would come out with the American flags and people hated them but as you said, the best example of what you were saying is the main event of Canadian Stampede the 10 man tag so the the babyface team was Austin the Legion of Doom, Ken Shamrock and Goldust they all get Bowed. Definitely. The Hearts, who are meant to be the heels, get the biggest reaction. And I think Bret Hart has said it was the loudest reaction he has ever had. I I can absolutely believe it. I mean, they... They created a character called the Patriot to feud with Bret Hart. <laughs> you know you're very anti-American and pro-Canada when you have a character called the Patriot.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I have seen and then it, it's a shame the way it ended with the Montreal screw job and before that uh, the untimely death of Brian Pillman. It it, it kind of ended on a sour note, but I, from what I've seen, this was sort of brilliant national pride from the Heart Foundation. Yeah. So I've got a, an American, an Iraqi, and a Canadian. <laughs> you,
1: you're very nationally eclectic so
0: far. <laughs> you, you've gone French and Japanese, and
1: and I'm gonna add. Canadian to it uh, Ooh, with my you- next pick. Uh, I'm going with Lance Storm. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um,
0: I kind of i I would have loved if you went Lance Storm just after I mentioned Duggan had turned heel and became Canada. I was just I would have loved if you went. Well, one of my picks was. But
1: yeah, last time's a great shout. Yeah, um, well, he, the, I, I first heard of Lonstone when he was in ECW uh, and he was uh, a three time champion there, but it was when he signed for, for WCW where he kind of had this. This Canadian um, super, super, superiority gimmick, uh, he quickly won like, multiple titles there, and I think he was the the only person to ever hold three titles in WCW at this at the same time when he was the the US champion, the cruiserweight champion, and the hardcore champion. Uh, but to kind of show that that Canadian uh, pride, he renamed the titles. Uh, the US title ended up being the Canadian heavyweight towel. The cruiserweight title ended up being the 100 kilograms and under towel. And the hardcore title was the Saskatchewan hardcore international title, uh, which if if you don't get it, that spells out shit. <laughs> I never knew that. Um, and the way he kind of like... Canadian fired these titles, he just stuck stickers of uh maple leaves all over the badge, all over the belts. Uh, and he ended up like we we mentioned uh, with your Doug and Picky, he he formed a team uh called Team Canada. Um, and he 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 would defend, I think, the Canadian heavyweight title against Mark Awesome. Um, when he had uh, actually uh, his own referee, Jacques Rougeau, um, formerly of uh the Rougeau brothers.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> where Jack Rizzo would keep changing the rules so uh, to help uh, Lance Storm keep all of his talent. Then he, uh, he actually, they had Bret Hart in the group for a little while, and then, like we mentioned, Jim Duggan ended up uh, joining. I think he was at Fall Bro when he joined. Uh, he turned on the, the Misfits in action uh, and helped Storm uh, defend his title. Uh after he after he had these titles, he kind of dished them out to uh these uh his kind of teammates. He'd give the 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 hundred kilo uh title to Elix Skipper and he gave the the hardcore title to uh Carl ule who who we now know as PCO. Um so yeah, he, he was uh this this huge like Canadian um Proud patriot, and then when he came over to, to WC uh, WWF in in when they did the purchase, and uh, he's one of his he was one of the contracts that was was brought in. Um, he he kind of stopped being this ca- uh, the Canadian uh, proud, and and he got this gimmick where he was this humourless uh, serious character, uh, and he was actually the first WCW star who invaded. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then he he got he got a decent uh, push in 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 the mid card. I think he won the the RC title um, from Albert when, uh, but he then ended up dropping it to Edge, and he was fired uh, during the kind of uh, the the invasion like immunity battle role, what they had at at, at Survivor Series. Um, I think that was Survivor Series 2001.
0: Yes, it was. Uh, but then he
1: ended up getting his uh, job back when he beat The Rock uh, at the end of the year, uh, and then he he actually went and did a, a almost the same kind of uh, gimmick as uh as the the New Heart Foundation with the, yeah. a group called the Un-Americans with a uh, Christian and Test, and I think they added William Regal to the group later on. Uh yeah. Where the, that that was a quite a short run gimmick. Uh, and then I think they also added Chief Morler who was who was Balvinus and, and Sean Morley uh to the group. So yeah, I've gone with uh, with uh Lance Storm and, it, and it, it's quite a poignant pick really considering uh the recent furloughs of of, of yeah. staff uh that he he left WWE, set up a wrestling school, uh which uh which was training a who's who of wrestling talent to be fair. And then he came back to, to WWE after closing school and then ended up being furloughed. So yeah, my third pick is uh is if I can be serious for a minute,
0: Landstorm. No, that is a very good pick. Very, very I do remember the un Americans cause it wasn't because of their gimmick, it was because of one moment where they threatened to burn the American flag. And then we got the big return of Kane. But I I loved that sort of little brief run they had in late, early 2002. But Lance Storm, no. What else? Uh, another great pick. I wasn't so keen on Lance Storm. I just thought he was a bit boring. If you remember, like, after the Un-Americans, mm-hmm. there was this... Clip on Raw, I think it's two thousand and three. He's having a match with well, Garrison Cade, Stone Cold walks out and starts falling asleep. Yeah. That's that's what I remember of Lance Storm was the boring. I, I think, never,
1: I, I think I, after that he uh did he have a heart to heart with Goldust uh, who uh he was looking at uh, looking to find out how to to get the fans to be on side, and he ended up being um, a face where he was dancing for the crowd. Uh, but he got bored of it and said that uh, he, he would uh, basically retire from
0: from wrestling rather than dance for dance for the fans. Yeah, he teamed with Lance. Uh, he ended up teaming. Oh no, because Val Venus comes back at Judgment Day two thousand three, mm-hmm. and then I think those two end up teaming, but. No, Landstorm was a wrestler. I just never. I only. Re, I never saw his WCW run. I only saw him at the Invasion. I just wasn't a fan. But I was like, good wrestler, bad crack.
1: Yeah, it, I I remember a story that uh, Paul Heyman told about about him uh, um, when he wanted to bring Landstorm in at ECW uh, in America. The, I think the the kind of rule. Uh, in terms of employ- employment, is if an American can do the job just as good, uh, that they should get the the job first. And I think uh, Paul said he struggled to get uh, a green card for for Lance to come in, and he ended up having to like write to whoever like the employment section of the government to say this guy is one of the very best wrestlers in the world, and there's not a lot of people in America who who can can match this. Uh, this guy's in-ring talent, so that's how he ended up working for for ECW.
0: Mm, that's a that's an interesting story. I I always thought it was like I remember one-night stand. He has a match with Jericho. I thought it was actually really good. He does have a run in ECW where he was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. With, oh, what was his team name? Impact Players. That's the one. Him just incredible. Yeah. But, no, that's... So, we've both got a Canadian. I went Iraq and America. You've gone French and Japan. And Canada. Yeah, so... Canada too. Where where are you going for your last pick? Right. Can I do, it like, a two for one? Because they're... Uh, Go for it. I am off to Iran and I'm off to the Soviet Union. (laughs) I have to put in the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what else can you say? These two just embodied where they were from and they were the most Testable heels you will ever see. Iron Sheik. What? Well, I mean, yes. We don't know if it's, tw- if it's him that's doing the Twitter, but we never know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's one of the best Twitter accounts in wrestling. It's just hilarious. But
0: before that, he was basically... The number one heel for years. He would come out with the Irani. He was a proud Iranian. He he would actually represented Iran in the Olympics. He he just he, I think I mean what else can you say? He became a WWF champion. When he won the title from Bob Backlund in 1783, Mm -hmm. the place went apeshit. Like, folk were wanting to attack him. And then, but I think, everyone thinks that Roddy Piper, well, Roddy Piper was one of the reasons Hulkamania got the big push. I think the Iron Sheik's got a little bit of credit as well. I mean, he was the one that Hogan pinned to win the title. Yeah, I think
1: I don't think it's as simple as as, as saying one person kind of helped Hulkamania. It, it was the fact that he had these these massive heel characters to to beat that that they all kind of chipped in in, in making Hulkamania the the that the phenomenon it was.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, he actually was in the WWF for a little bit in 1979, but left in 1980. He returned in 1983 and challenged Bob Backlund for the WWF World Heavyweight title. He also did a thing called the Persian Club Challenge, which was a thing that he did where it was like two clubs and he would like... I could never know. How, oh, it was basically swinging the clubs, but it was in a way the Iron Sheik could do it. He attacked Bob Backlund. And it was Boxing Day where Sheik won the title in 1983. And Bob Backlund never tapped out. Arnold School, his manager, threw in the towel. But the reason I've added him and Nikolai Volkov, um, they were a tag team began in 1985 and they were managed. Do you know who managed the team of Volkov and the Iron Sheik? Was it Slick? It was Classy Freddie
1: Blassie. It was Classy Freddie Blassie, yeah, it was, yeah, you're right. They were called the Foreign Legion.
0: They won the WWF Tag Team Titles at the very first WrestleMania from the US Express, which was Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda. Mm-hmm. After, but the th- the other thing about National Pride is they would s- Volkov would sing the Russian national anthem. <laughs> Even though he wasn't actually Russian, I think it was like Croatian or something like that, or Yugoslavian. Yeah. <laughs> but what was the Iron Sheik only needed to say just a couple of words, and the crowd would just hate on him. Mm-hmm. And those words were Iran, number one, Russia, <laughs> number one, USA, ha. <laughs> that's all he had to do and people would just go ape shit
1: and and it links into your your pick with uh sergeant slaughter because exactly. he was he was one of the linchpins of, of that group he, he
0: actually joined later on he actually joined I'm just yeah, he joined, He actually joined before WrestleMania 7, but wasn't a part of WrestleMania 7. So he did make his re-debut, but they changed his character to Colonel Mustafa. Mm-hmm. But even then, he was still... He was still despised. And then he comes back for the gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania X7. He wins it. Because he can't take a bump, and he could—he gets cheered.
1: I think because then the crowds were a lot smarter, and they realised how much of a legend he was. Yeah, and he gained a cult following. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's a, a solid, solid pick. Um Like flexing the rules a little bit with uh, with two picks, but yeah,
0: that's a. Yeah, great I, pick. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to, but because they were a tag team, I kind of thought I'd be sneaky and put both in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Volcom, right. Volkov, after the team of Theim Sheik, he does the Bolshevik stuff, mm-hmm. but he was also, he also did quite well being the sort of patriot because he turns baby face, and that's, and I'm, as I mentioned earlier, it led to Sergeant Slaughter turning and becoming the Iraqi sympathiser. Yeah. So I kind of bent the rules there. I'm sorry. It's absolutely fine. It's a, it's a stellar
1: pick. Um, now, you, like I said, you thought out of the box there with Iran and Russia. Um, I think I could give you 20 guesses at the country that I've gone for, and I don't think you get it. I've actually gone for Finland. Ludwig Borger? I've gone with Ludwig Borger. (laughs) (laughs) So mine is actually looking up, I didn't even realise till just now, but mine have all been heels, (laughs) heel uh, National pride.
0: I had one baby face. Yeah, it's interesting Um, that. And it was uh, Jim Duggan. Jim Duggan was my only baby face. Right, so I know of Luke I again, I'm looking. It'll be, I'll be seeing his stuff soon because I think he debuts '93, I believe.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll get to it now. Uh, basically, he was called. He was actually called Tony Holm. Uh, he was born in in Helsinki, and he was actually a prize fighting boxer. Uh, but he uh, he actually turned his hand to wrestling and had runs in the Universal Wrestling Federation and actually in in New Japan. Uh No, I knew about his WWE, his WWF work, but I didn't actually know about his his New Japan work until I until I, I did this research. And he was actually part of one of like the biggest gaging groups there, uh, which included Eddie Guerrero, uh, Dean Blanco, Chris Benoit, and um, Fit Finlay. And he was a it was actually the RWGP uh, Tag Team Champions with Scott Norton. Uh, they beat the Starners uh, and then ended up losing them to the, the Road Warriors. But actually, behind the scenes, he was a bit of a troublemaker there in, in New Japan. And he, he legitimately knocked out his uh, his tag team partner, Scott, Scott Norton, and was... Um, was booked to lose the rest of the matches on his contract uh, before he ended up leaving to go to the WWF in June, uh, started he in July of nineteen ninety three, uh as Ludwig Borg had this proud uh Finn character where again it was a it was in those days it was quite easy to get to get that kind of national pride heel heat you just slated the American uh, Politics and their education system, and it, and it worked. It was a it was a hated heel. He his his run in the WWE wasn't actually even that long, to be fair. Uh, but he, okay. he a year, yeah, something like that. But he he was he was pushed really really quickly. He had a some squash matches. One was over Marti uh and then he was. Pushed straight into the main event feuding with uh, Lex Luger. He ended the uh, the undefeated speaker of uh, Tatanka, which had gone on for like two years, and he was also part of uh, that that team that I mentioned uh, about the 1993 survivors. uh Yokozuna's foreign f- uh, fanatics, uh, and he's actually pinned. The uh, Intercontinental Champion, uh, Razor Ramon, twice in a, in a house show, uh, so technically he should have been the champion. But both times the the result was overturned. First time was when Razor's foot was on the ropes, and the second time was when uh, Shawn Michaels hit Razor for the for the with the towel for the for the second pin, so he ended up uh, losing that match by disqualification. Uh, and yeah, he, he ended up. Injuring his ankle early in 1994, uh, which cancelled the, the the big push that he was meant to have, where he was meant to have a really good run in that year's Royal Rumble, and he was going to go on to uh, to WrestleMania to face Earthquake and then continue this that like, big run and hopefully go towards that like, World Title status. But he he ended up leaving after this ankle injury. Uh, went back to. Uh, to Europe. Uh, he ended up wrestling for a company called Catch Wrestling Association in, in Austria, but then retired in from wrestling in 1997, where he uh he ended up fighting MMA. Um he he ended up fighting a couple of times for the UFC back when the UFC was like kind of starting up. Uh, I think he faced Randy Couture a couple of times. Um, but that's not actually where his story ends and it, it does get kinda dark, does uh, the rest of his story. He, he went back to Finland and he became a politician, uh, where he actually caused lots of controversy, including calling the Finnish president a lesbian after she uh she'd won the, the election. Um he also had an a Nazi SS tattoo on his on his calf, which uh obviously didn't didn't go down very very well Uh, and in 2003 there was uh, police turned up to his apartment because there were shots fired uh, and they found a stash of illegal um, steroids and they went and searched his his office, his parliamentary office and found even more of them Uh, he kind of claims that they were planted but uh, his trial which was broadcasted live on MTV3 he was found guilty and he only got a fine and a suspended sentence and, and kept his job as a as a member of the Finnish parliament um but in 2006 he actually ended up being put on disability from being an mp uh, because he
0: religion.
1: yeah he, he ended up su- uh, suffering from cirrhosis uh, due to alcohol um and then uh in 2010 just uh, two days after his 47th birthday he he took his own life when he shot himself Uh, So, yeah, it was a a very dark and sad end to what was a a very short-lived but highly successful uh, National Pride character. So, yeah, my last pick is Ludwig Borger. Yeah,
0: I'm just... I'm actually on his... While you were talking, I was actually on his Wikipedia, and you were... It was just... Wow. Mm. He... That would actually be... Obviously, while we're recording this Dark Side of the Rings out, he would have an actual... his. He could have a very good Dark Side of the Ring.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, when I was... Uh, obviously, I only knew of him from his short run in the WWE, and I found out all this, like, doing the research, and that was the first thought I, I had. I think I'd just watched the Dino Bravo one. And there's a lot of similarities with... Uh, with this story, as there is with uh, with Dino, kind of like how they had a relatively short period in in the WWF, but then this kind of dark, gruesome like, lifestyle
0: after wrestling. Yeah, and his match, uh, his fight with Randy Couture at UFC 13 lasted mm-hmm. 56 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly did. <laughs> so, yeah, my last pick
1: is uh, Ludwig Borger.
0: It's your boy Rance,
1: aka Ray Cash of The Outsiders Edge. I'm here with my boy Kyle, and I got a question for you, man. All
0: right, shoot. What would you say are your four worst,
1: your Mount Rushmore of worst Edge guests?
0: Ooh, that's a tough one. The Mount Rushmore of worst Edge guests. It's pretty easy. It should just be two people. I mean, nah, 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 nah. The the three worst guests. In the history of the Outsider's Edge are obviously Caleb, Carl, Carl, and Mags, right?
1: Well, I mean, Darren's trash. You know, Darren, and we can't even shout out Paul Talley because he's never been on the damn show. I mean, that's good for us. Speaking of Mount Rushmore, I guess we can shout out the fact that Badlands Podcast, part of the Cherish Radio Network. Check it out. We love the show. Uh, always listen, man. Cherish family, we're here for you.
0: 100%. If y'all haven't checked it out, you got to do it. And, I mean, if Darren were here, we know one thing he would say to my Mount Rushmore, and that is he has a He big, would
1: veto that shit.
0: That veto for that shit. But he's not here, so I said what I said. You want to come on the show and defend yourself. You know where to find your boys. If you don't like that, we don't give up. Fuck. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out the chair shot. Four completely different picks there. Yeah, <laughs> He's gone all heels. I've gone with an American pretending to be an Iraqi. I've gone an American who gets chance even though he's facing another American. I've gone for a faction and I've gone for a tag team. But mostly it was the Iron Sheik. I kind of put, I could have Volkov like pointing at the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> it's a, it's a
1: two, like I said, two very different, but two really interesting Mount
0: Rushmores there we've come up with. Can I ask, obviously, before we sort of wrap up, who were like your, also like your maybes like who almost made the cut
1: well um like i said I, I thought out of the box because i kind of had this
0: that assumption that you would
1: bring up some and i kind of didn't want to cross um cross like picks i thought you would have brought up the british bulldogs which you you obviously didn't but yeah they would have there would have probably been if i'd have known you were going to pick them and i would probably would have picked them because uh they were one of my teams um, from from when I first got into wrestling, uh, so I would have gone with them probably. Um, outside that, I don't think I think I'm happy with the picks I, I made. To be fair,
0: I did have the British Bulldog, not the Bulldogs, but just the British Bulldog. Uh, I did mention earlier, obviously Yokozuna. The other one was Rusev. Yeah, yeah. I think Rusev was going to be one that I thought of. Um, I I was maybe going to go with a Japanese route, but there hasn't really been anyone that, apart from Kenzo Suzuki, but I didn't want to uh, commit myself to that sort of guilt that I actually watched during that time period. <laughs> I'm actually I'm happy with my picks. I thought I outside the box. And I just thought I'm going to be different to normal guests, shall we say? Yeah, it's been. Two,
1: like I said, two very interesting and some. I, I, I like these kind of offbeat topics because, or your instant thoughts are, this is going to be a hard one to 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 kind of come up with before. But when you when you actually do kind of start researching it, there is a lot of choice out there, and there's a lot of interesting choice.
0: Yeah, I I, I found it difficult, like going through. I thought when I saw the Heart Foundation one, I thought. What's oh, a good one? Because mm-hmm. we were very pro Canadian and very anti American. I thought, right? I bet. He, I bet that's one that Mags wouldn't think of. That's the Jim Duggan. Jim Duggan was the first one that was in straight away.
1: Yeah, I the I had uh, uh, Duggan and Hogan as my first like instant thoughts, but like I said, I I, I left them at the wayside because I, I wanted to kind of like switch it
0: up a little bit, I think. And you did. <laughs> Thank with you very much. Resistance, I went, oh, pudge. forgot about my resistance. <laughs> otherwise, I'm probably... They might have snuck in, but no. Um, I'm happy with my picks, so... As you should be. Um, so what I need
1: from you now, Scott, is a, you, a topic for for a future guest. You said you've got a, a couple in mind, let's... Uh, Let's hear what you've got to say.
0: Right. This is actually harder than doing the Mount Rushmore stuff. <laughs> okay. Right, so one of the ones was gimmick matches. Okay. So, like, what are the Mount Rushmore gimmick matches? Is it Hell in a Cell? Is it a cage? Is it a ladder match? What would be the four gimmick matches?
1: Yeah, Interesting. <laughs>
0: So that, that was one. The the other one was, like, years in wrestling. All right, that's
1: another interesting one. Uh, I think we've... I don't think we've had actual gimmick matches. We've had, like, uh, gimmicks, uh, like, uh, characters and stuff like that, but I don't think we've actually gone down the route of gimmick matches, and we've certainly not gone down the route of, like, years in wrestling. So you're, like... You, like standout years, like for instance, like 90, yeah. 97 uh, or like 2002, that kind of thing.
0: What would be your like standout years in wrestling? So, like 95 could be in it for a different reason because it was so bad. 96 yeah. would be one because of the birth of the NWO. 2007, because of the situation with Chris Benoit. 2014, because of the birth of the network. That's just,
1: that's that was the way I was thinking of. Yeah, no, both great ideas, and I'm, I've I've got them both down anyway. So they'll they'll be they'll definitely be uh, brought up by a future guest. So thank you very much for that. Um, this has been this has been hilarious fun. I've, I've really enjoyed it with uh, chatting with you about these Matt Rushmore's, uh, Scott. Uh, let the let the Badlands listeners know where they can they can get out of wrestling through life, where they can get out of
0: you on social media. Right, so thank you. Thank you, everyone. I hope you, you've enjoyed it. So, you can follow me on Twitter at randomscott1990. You can catch the Wrestling Through Life podcast on many, many different uh, podcast outlets. I just need to find, I can never tell which ones are actually. You can, it's Anchor, Spotify. I'm just loading up my anchor just now as I, I never prepare for these. <laughs> it is anchor, br- breaker, breaker, Google Podcast, Radio Public, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I think that's all of them. Yeah, that's all of them.
1: Well, I know I get it on my app. I, I use an app called uh, Podcast Republic, and it comes up on my app. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a great show. I'll, I've been I've had the honour of being a guest on it, and yeah, can't wait till the the next time I'm on. Uh, it's a, a very unique way of of kind of in this world of, of everybody and their dog have a, have a wrestling podcast. It seems, uh, and it's hard to be different. But you've you've really that- found a way of 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 kind of taking the review um side of, of wrestling podcasts and, and kinda of changing it to, to be more personal to you, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and uh delighted to say that the Wrestling Through Life podcast has now gone onto YouTube. I've just sort of relaunched my I did have the YouTube channel, Random Scott, but I just wasn't satisfied. So I thought, why not do something that you enjoy? So I have created the Wrestling Through Life YouTube channel. So I will be reviewing AEW, NXT, uh, pay-per-views. I will be going back through the Wrestling Through Life podcast that I've done, but I'm just going to be doing shorter reviews. And I will also be looking at interviewing wrestling fans, talking about their wrestling through life journey as well. And that was just where I would say I would love... That's where I would love to have Mags back on, just to talk about his wrestling through life journey, shall we say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not a problem. I would love to, to be a guest on that. Um, so, Gas. Who had the best Mount Rushmore of national pride? Was it uh, Scott's hacksaw Jim Duggan, uh, the Iraqi version of Sergeant Slaughter, the new Heart Foundation, or uh, Iron Sheik and Nikolai Belkov, or was it man with La Resistance, Yorca Zuna... Landstorm Storm or Ludwig Borger. Um tell us what you thought about uh, both Mount Rushmores and whilst you're there, tell us your Mount Rushmore, the greatest wrestlers of all time. Is it can it compare with uh with Scott's Undertaker, Edge, the Rock and Triple H? Um, yeah, come and give me a follow on Twitter at DJ Curvey, follow my absent uh partner, Paul, at Raincounter, follow the show at Badlands Pod. And remember, when you're picking your Mount Rushmore's, we have one rule here at Badlands, and that is you must always use your head. Head.